What's up, everybody? Before we get into Colin Morrison, I want to thank our sponsors, Cherubies USA. For decades, Cherubies USA has been the leader in moto plastic and accessories with products that fit perfect, look great, and last. Cherubies has what you need. Well, it's full plastic kits, individual pieces, hand guards, chain guides, and sliders, or anything else they offer. Visit CherubiesUSA.com and support our title sponsor. And follow them on Instagram. And always let them know you're listening. <clears throat> Excuse me. Racetech. Racetech is the world's largest aftermarket suspension modification company. All Racetech products include award-winning gold valves and settings are 100% guaranteed and made right here in the USA. Racetech also offers state-of-the-art precision engine services and parts to all engine builders. Visit Racetech.com for more info and use promo code MOTOXPOD to save. Guys, go use those promo codes, man. Anything, Any sponsor we have that has a promo code, Use those things. It helps us out a ton. Fly Racing's on board. Obviously, X-Brand Goggles, Works Connection. A lot, of, a lot of great sponsors. Torque One Racing, Our Jerky. Support all those guys. Uh, before we get, again, before we get into Colin Morrison, I want you guys to know if you got, you're listening, you got your kids in the car or whatever, there's going to be some language in this one. Uh, Colin discusses his you know drug and alcohol addiction. So there's a little bit of heavy talk in this one. It's It's really interesting. I think it's an important topic, and Colin is definitely trying to, you know, put a message out there that, you know, recovery is possible. It's not easy, uh, and, and you know, he has a good message. Hopefully, you will really enjoy this Colin Morrison interview. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Dean Wilson, and you're listening to the MoX Pod Show. What's up, everybody? Darkside here with a special one-off interview, man. I talked to this guy a couple weeks ago on the Moto X Pod Show, and it just wasn't enough time. So we had to get the one and only Colin Morrison back on. What's up, Colin? What's going on, Darkside? How are you? I'm doing good, man. I want to start this thing off right off the bat. I don't remember if we talked about this on the actual Moto X Pod Show, but like you have the nickname Scummy. And we're going to get into some of why, but I, I want to just call you Colin, if that's okay with you, um, because of the way you've been, you know, what, what we're going to get into, you've changed your lifestyle a bit, and I just don't, I don't feel like Scummy fits anymore. I dig it. Let's go with Colin. All right. Either sure. way, it don't matter, but I like <laughs> okay. this, this stage of my life, I, I like Colin a lot more. Yeah, I, I like that, and I, I dig the nickname. I mean, that's been something I've been dealing with, with the dark side thing lately, and Feld and some other people trying to get me to change that and but I, I don't I just don't feel like I want to call you scummy so you're gonna be calling uh we got a l- good story man a lot to talk about but what I want to step back in is just growing up man where did you grow up Southern California and what was that like yeah I grew up in Southern California in uh, a little town Moore Park California it's by like Simi Valley Simi Valley was really big uh, in motocross in like the eighties, that's where, um, eighties and nineties, that's where the factory Honda track was. Um, yeah, a lot, of, I don't know. That's just where I grew up. I grew up, my, uh, dad was a Marine. My parents, you know, grew up in a perfect childhood and, um, yeah, I didn't really know what I wanted to do till like I was 12 years old. I kind of did the whole soccer baseball thing. And then my dad took me to Mickey Thompson off-road truck racing. And the halftime show was ultra cross. Yes. Jim Holly, Mike Craig, and like the ribbon on the back of Holly's only Like <laughs> I've never seen a dirt bike. And like after that, it literally changed my whole life. Like I just ate, breathed, slept, cut up posters and magazines, tape them everywhere in my dad's room. Just he knew I wanted to dirt bike so bad it's just yeah that's so funny you bring that up dude like i i remember going to ultra cross at sam boyd and my dad was also in the military he was stationed at fort Irwin at the time and and now out near barstow and we went to vegas and like i remember the ribbon now dude when i moved to texas a few years later i ran the ribbon hanging off the back of my helmet but i had totally forgotten where i got it from it's Jim Holly. It's wrapped. His Holly lives like ten minutes from me. He's one of my buddies, and it's so cool because every time I always bring that up, I'm like, "Dude, you are the first dude I looked up to," and the ribbon was so sick. Back yeah, then. like it was cool, dude. I but just, yeah, that's the first time. Just like the two strokes in the stadium, it was just it was unreal as a kid. And, and the uh, moguls, the moguls were so sick. It was sketchy because they used the truck track yeah. backwards. So like some of the jumps were they, you know, they weren't even four dirt bikes. It was just airing it to flats, but it was just, I don't know. It was rad. That was rad. Dude, I'm glad you brought that up. That's so sick. Uh, so, yeah. so growing up in SoCal with a Marine dad, dude, I mean, like, again, I was a military. It wasn't bro- really like that. It wasn't like a Marine dad. He was just in Vietnam. I'm just yeah. saying, like, I grew up like, you know, how I ended up doing drugs and everything. You know, you think that in, um, 
you have a vision in your head, like growing up in some like seedy uh, lifestyle. I don't know. And it's just, uh, it's crazy how my life went in that direction when like I had my parents were, I don't know. I just had a perfect family. Yeah, that's what I want to touch on a little bit before we get into the moto stuff because, again, yeah, Yeah. I get it. Like, my dad wasn't, like, the the stereotypical military dad either, but through parents like that, I I would think you learn – respect and responsibility and work ethic like that that all came from my dad like you don't call in sick when you're in the military you don't go i'm sick today no you go to fucking work and maybe i don't know maybe they'll let you go home but like you just go to work that's what you learn and you learn respect and and i I, the little bit that i've talked to you i can hear that in your voice like yeah you have this image of punk rock troublemaker you kind of have that image but like i don't get that from talking to you no, and that's like the funny thing about like the tattoos. You have this image of somebody, but I just like to be different, dude. That's yeah. always been my deal. I love tattoos, but yeah, it's funny. Like especially you go up to like older people. I have so much respect for everybody, and they like they realize how nice I am, how polite, and they just <laughs> don't like they have this image, dude, with like head tattoos, all this. Yeah. But, I mean, if people ain't it's classic, dude. Oh no, it's so different nowadays. Just I got tattoos with Twitch back in like the early 2000s before hand tattoos and neck tattoos were like even a thing. And it was like pretty hardcore. And I remember me and Twitch hanging out with like Carrie Hart and all the guys like we just wanted to get tattooed quick, you know, like yeah, so yeah. we would just half of our tattoos are pretty sketchy. But sure. Yeah, that was just always I just thought it was a cool thing. And um, yeah, it's just funny now, like everybody's got neck tattoos. It's just so acceptable now. It's it's pretty cool i I agree man like i live in east texas it's not quite as acceptable but it's getting there at least like they're starting to you know soften a little bit but yeah i totally get it man that's a similar similar thought processes i think the way we grew up um girl you talked about stick and ball sports and going to school like was school something that you were good at and you excelled at liked or was it like i couldn't wait to get out no i never i i liked it i mean i always got good grades um Sorry, man. Let me go back inside. No, you're all good. It's a nice day out right now. Um, yeah, I always I enjoyed school. I went till uh, 10th grade, Moore Park High School, and then that's when the freestyle thing really kicked off. And like every weekend, I was making like almost five grand. So I in a different state every weekend. So I did homeschool, and then it really picked up. And I I forgot how it happened, but I think I just stopped doing the homeschooling. So <laughs> okay. I just like kind of stopped and just kind of faded into like this fantasy rock star lifestyle yeah. of traveling everywhere around your bike. You know, I never even thought about it. So, so I don't know. So what was the transition? You talked about ultra cross and you kind of got into dirt bikes. Like, did you start out just free riding or did you start going to motocross tracks and actually no, racing? I got into BMX for like a year. My dad didn't give me a bike right after that. It took a while, got into BMX, uh, got my first dirt bike. Then, yeah, Supercross, that's all I was really into. Like, that was McGrath, Kidrowski, Matasevich, Bradshaw, that era. It was just, that's all I wanted to be was a Supercross rider. That was it. And then, uh, yeah, I started racing, beginner, novice, intermediate. I grew up in, like, LACR, uh, Cast Ake. A lot of people remember that. That was a really huge track in SoCal, like, old school. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I did, like, one pro race, and then that's when um, – I was just kind of like the guy always wearing the LBZ pants, people like <laughs> clowning me, like cow yeah. pants. I was that guy. You know, I loved it, dude. Like after Krusty one came out and I just remember like I was dude always doing like can cans, heel clickers over the biggest jump at the tracks. I didn't even care if I came in last. I just wanted to like pump up the crowd, like show off, you know, that was my deal. And like tracks would start getting me to do like national anthem, do like tricks off the finish line. And then, uh, one day at star West motocross track, Seth Enzel and the guys from Krusty showed up and Seth was, he was bigger than God to me, dude. I remember as a kid, I draw like Seth just Enzel on my hand with a permanent marker. Like he was like, he was a legend, bro. He was my God. He was the biggest thing ever. And uh, I remember he showed up at star West and as a kid, like 14 hours tripped and I couldn't believe Seth was there. And I started doing the biggest jumps at Star West. Back then, that really big, the, the jumps were huge. I started doing tricks, and all the guys from Krusty were tripping on me because I was like one of the only dudes doing that. And they invited me out on the next Krusty uh, film trip, and my dad like, you know, let me go out with them, and that's kind of the start of it. And then like a couple months later was the '98 Orange County Fairgrounds uh, 
it was a, one of the first freestyle contests with wood ramps. And that's like one of the first organized contests. And I did pretty much all the very first freestyle contests after that. So it was really just good timing, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy how it all happened. Yeah, right place, right time. And just the fact that you yeah. had the balls to do some of that. Because like I was never that guy. Yeah, I was always that guy. Just like the biggest <laughs> jumps. And I don't know, I just... It was kind of easy for me. And then, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was just rap is back then. It was, there's only a couple of, a couple of us, like 15 of us. And that's when like people had no idea what this was, dirt bikes going off ramps. And it was just, it picked up so quick, new tricks every week. We were like, in just video games, commercials, uh, you name it. It was just, it was crazy how, how just, uh, I don't know. It just picked up so quick. It was like, rockstar lifestyle for a little bit you know we went on warp tour for three years um it was just really hot the early days of freestyle and it was like really rebellious rock and roll the harder you party the more respect you got it was it was just a whole different world back then and before cell phones and technology of instagram and everything i mean you know i think all of us would be in jail if they had cell phones back then you know <laughs> sure so yeah yeah so those first the first couple competitions that you were talking about they i mean they were probably nothing like what they became with x games warp tour do tour all that like oh uh, what do you mean well like what what were like how was the judging how was the turnout how was the the hype uh, how was the promotion you know like the very first one was uh not ifma it was um it was in Tacoma, Washington, mm-hmm. and then Lake Havasu, and that's where Travis Pastrana dislocated his spine from his hip or something crazy. Do you remember that jump? I, it was I like do. one of his bigger crashes. Yeah. So I was always right after Pastrana in practice. So I was like right there, but it was just such a, it's so crazy because I really did suck back then and going after Pastrana. It was, dude, it was funny. It was just horrible. But yeah, that, those contests, they didn't have freestyle ramps it was all dirt hits so it was uh it was really cool um yeah i got sidetracked what what was the question about this (laughs) just about the competition the early competitions like how how the how they were formatted and how they were received yeah it was the judging was kind of weird because nobody knew like what the um what the tricks were or anything yeah you know so i never really worried about how good I wanted to do, you know, it was just so cool being there, but I, you know, I don't know. It was always like Pastrana winning and <laughs> I'm trying to think of like some of the early tricks. It was so lame back then, you know, and it was just, if you look at it now, it, we look like a bunch of idiots out there, but that's what it was back then, you know, like innovating stuff and some stuff worked, some stuff yeah. didn't like even cutting our fenders that we were talking, I was talking to Twitch about it a little bit ago, like, when we all used to cut our front fenders and back fenders uh, in the early days, like there's really no need for it, but just practicing new stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember seeing like, you just talked about like the early tricks. Like I, I think I told you when we talked last, like I lo- I love the Cordova. I just thought that was a beautiful looking trick. You know, maybe not the most, you know, technical. I don't know. Cause I don't do that shit obviously, but it just was a cool, I always thought that thing was cool as hell. Yeah. What, what was like, yeah, the dude, big, it's, oh, it's, go ahead it's just weird like i never got into freestyle to like really uh i don't know i guess excel or like want to win a jump contest because from day one i only did it just to do like big jumps and show off to the crowd you know that was kind of like my (laughs) whole deal dude like yeah and when it really got organized and people really started to really get i don't know i was just kind of never signed up for something like that so i don't know i did I did everything. I was progressing until the backflip came out. That's when it like separated so many of the freestyle riders and really, you know, that was a career ender for so many guys when the backflip came out. Yeah, I've heard that, you know, and you talk about like, you know, just basically it sounds like you just were having fun riding your dirt bike and you were able to make a, a decent living, I would assume, right? At least, to, you know, I mean, it, you weren't having to go dig ditches. No, dude, it was, that was a thing. It was such a great living and like, I got dude, like lucky, whatever you want to call, like just in the whole militia and that whole crew, you know, um, it was just, it was crazy. The stuff we got away with, you (laughs) would not believe it, dude, you know, like stuff you can't even talk about because people wouldn't believe you, but it it was just 
crazy. I, I it was a rad career. Um, I don't know. I feel like if I had to go back in time, I wouldn't change anything. I just had a lot of fun. Obviously, it uh, it ended kind of badly. Just had too much fun. Didn't know when to shut it down. But um, I made the most out of it for sure. Yeah, talking about the Metal Militia, you know, obviously everybody knows the name, the Metal Militia. Everybody knows the logo, the Brian Deegan stuff. But, like, what does that mean to get invited into the Metal Militia? Is there initiation? How does that happen? Or is it just like a natural progression and you start hanging out with the guys and you're part of it? It was never like that. I was just always, like, kind of the rebel, I guess, whatever you want to call it. We were just punk kids, you know, and it was like always me, Bo Manley, and Twitch. Like the dudes always like smoking weed, not really listening to the rules, just kind of like just more punk about it. And then we just kind of linked up. And then me and Twitch and Manley, we really formed like we all, uh, Twitch and Manley had a house down in Marietta, and I'd always stay down there. And we were just like brothers. And then, you know, Deegan and Larry saw that, and we were just always hanging out with them. Then we'd start riding with them. And then we were like, just part of the deal you know it was just kind of uh evident that we were metal militia just from like we were doing the same shit and i don't know that's kind of how it started there was no like in this yeah. initiation or anything we do have i don't know a couple crazy nights and we all got this one weird uh tattoo that means something gnarly but it was a dark night <laughs> okay uh, yeah, yeah I, i've, I've yeah. been there i i know yeah i can uh, do you want to talk about what the tattoo is you want to just pass over that I'll pass over that. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, so when the well, let's let's start let's start with the big events. When the big events like the X Games, the Warp Tour started happening, and there was that image of the bad boy thing, and you mentioned Travis Pastrana earlier, it, it sort of was promoted sometimes as like there was tension between the good boy Travis Pastrana and you know, he would almost always get high scores and some of the other guys, like what, what do you remember about that? Was that, was there tension between? It was just never a joke. Like we were just over like anybody that nice. I don't know, but we weren't trying to like act up to anything. We were just kind of over it. Like at least I wasn't like all the other guys, you know, we were just doing our thing and we just, I don't know. It, it was rad. It was totally, I, I know Deegan and Pastrana, the dudes, we were like, we weren't at that level, you know, Deegan and Twitch, but Deegan was the fucking real deal on yeah. the other side. Like did shit that I don't know. I can't even talk about, but like, it wasn't a, it wasn't an act what we were putting on in the show. Like when we were just by ourselves or whatever, it was fucking crazy. So yeah, no, no joke, but yeah, it was just, I don't know. You just ride motocross do that shit it was kind of badass and we just i don't know if i like the bad boys the hell's angels a freestyle motocross whatever that means you know just kind of the dudes that didn't give a fuck and just did what we wanted and rode our bikes and you know that's what i think dirt bike is about i don't know to a certain point but you know for me at the time that's what it was about that's cool, man. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's the the freedom yeah. of being on two wheels and doing what you want. Yeah, it's kind of why we all get into it a little bit, uh, you know. And then you guys definitely took it to another level because we could see it. You know, we saw it at the games, at the X Games, and the tour, do tours, and we saw it on the Krusty Demons of Dirt and all the different videos, Moto Triple X stuff. And it was sort of this, yeah, this rock and roll punk rock thing. Like as a kid, you're like, dude, those guys are kind of cool. You know, they're, 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 they're a little bit scary. They're a little bit badass, And I like it. Yeah. I mean, it, we were just ourselves. We yeah. were like nice to everybody, you know? Um, uh, I didn't make it to that level. Like where I was really competitive in every games. I got an X games medal, like so long ago in 2001, I think for step, step up. up, but, um, yeah. Yeah, but my thing wasn't even that. Like, uh, the highlight of me, and most people probably won't, was, like, just doing warp Tour, just being able to, like, tour with Pennywise and No Effects, Bad Religion, AFI, Blink-182. Like, being on the road for almost three months with these guys, having our own tour bus, I was, like, I look up to those bands so much. Punk rock, that music is, like, everything to me. And, like, for all those guys looking up to us so much, getting able to, being able to ride every day, and we did that for four years, and, uh, like one day on the war tour, it was like a movie, like how crazy it was, the chicks, the party and the riding. And we rode great every day. You know, we did three, three shows a day, every day for, um, little over two and a half months and like a different show 
different state every single day. Wow. That's and we yeah. pulled it like no crashes, did that three years in a row, did deconstruction tour, like another warp tour type deal in Europe, did Australia warp tour. But that was just it was so cool being on on the road with those guys. And like I said, those guys looking up to us. It was sick. Yeah, I want to get into the punk rock bands here in a second, but just what you're talking about, like think back to a few years before that when you're just a kid at Mickey Thompson. Like, could you imagine a few years later you'll be overseas in sta- you know in arenas, stadiums, doing these tricks with punk rock bands that you? No, like, I know it's crazy. Wow. I never thought. Yeah. I never thought about it. Like it was, it went so fast, and then when like the party and started coming, like my ego got big, and mm. like. And it took over, like, why I even got into riding. It turned into this lifestyle instead of, like, wanting to get better on the dirt bike, wanting to be a better person. It, like, it was the drug. It was the chicks, the alcohol. Like, that started becoming my number one love. And and I totally forgot what I was even doing. I totally forgot it was about the dirt bike, you know? Kick myself every day. I can't go back in time. But, yeah, it's sad how I did blow my crack. And look at it two ways. Like, dude, it was the most rock and roll fucking lifestyle ever i like i could die pretty much a happy man kind of not being sober and like whatever you know what i mean like yeah, i lived yeah. it to the complete fullest and had the most fun but i didn't know when to shut it off and it just ended horribly and but that also taught me so many life lessons you know like losing everything in my life getting it you know so i don't know i feel like that's why i say would i do it all over again probably not to like be that guy just to go back and party, but just like everything I learned through it and everything, you know, I look at it. What if I would have got my shit together and, and did a uh, backflip back in the day mm. and got my name big and then got paralyzed fucking doing a double backflip, you know, who knows? Yeah. It wouldn't have been worth it. Right. I mean, no. And like, like it's but, crazy. Yeah. You, you say you lost everything and, and I, to some degree, I, I, I don't know the details of that yet. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, dude, you're still alive, and we're going to talk about what you're doing now here in a little bit. You're still here. You didn't lose everything, man. You learned a lot. You just said that you you can, you can have stories that yeah. can help other people, and I think you've been doing that. So you didn't lose everything, dude. You gained a lot. You just maybe don't hadn't realized it. No, no. I'm just saying, like, after my addiction, I yeah. legitimately lost everything I got due you. to my drug addiction. And that was the best thing for me. Yeah. Like it, it was. And like it, just realizing all that shit doesn't matter. But when you're in that bubble of like riding a dirt bike for a living, being this character and um, you don't think that's ever going to end. You don't, you know, you're tattooed everywhere complete, you know, and like you have a name. You don't think you can turn that switch off and like go get a job at a, like a normal job. That's how I thought, you know, I just never thought it was going to end. And when that does end and the phone stops ringing, it's like the hardest pill to swallow. And that's like, I've seen so many dudes go down the road of addiction or fucking commit suicide, whatever. Like it's a hard pill to swallow, even in motocross racing. Like you live this fantasy rock star lifestyle, like riding a dirt bike. And that's all it is. Since you were a kid, that's all it is. Just becoming a pro dirt bike rider, training all this. And then once that's over, it's like, now what do I do? You know, cause that's all, you know. And you're like, you're so good at it. You're like one of the gnarliest humans in the world for like getting to that level. But then what do you do after? It's fucking scary. Yeah. For me, it was. The average, the average person doesn't necessarily have to deal with something like that. But somebody that's in the limelight, uh, whether anything, right? Musician, actor, anything that where they get a lot of notoriety and a lot of affection from fans, that kind of stuff, and have that taken away. Yeah, that, that would even be. even money. Like, not, oh, yeah, you don't yeah. know what earning a dollar is. You know, like I thought. You know, it's crazy how much money we made. And like, it's just nuts. You don't realize what an actual dollar even means. Or like, really working for it to a point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's I don't know. yeah. So going back to the trick progression a little bit, you, you've talked about the backflip a couple times. Uh, at, at that moment when that happened, and then of course the double comes, and later on the three sixties and the uh, the flares and the front flips and all that stuff. But like at the moment of the backflip, when that started becoming almost something you had to have to be successful, at least in competition. And you've already said you didn't really care about being winning, but like, was that a tough pill to swallow? That like, okay, this is something I'm either not gonna try, and like, did you? There was was there a realization? A little of, bit, yeah, yeah, for a little bit. Like I was there. We went to Carrie Hart's phone pit, me, Sinkmars, Feist, and Twitch. No, actually, it was Twitch. And I forgot. It was one of those. I think it was just me and Sinkmars. But I was there when Twitch did his first flip. You know, like, I was there for all of it. 
and from day one, I never really wanted to do it. And it was almost like a rebel thing. Like everybody start had to do it. I'm like, fuck that. I ain't doing that. Like I'm just going to do my own thing. So in my head, it was just being like, fuck you. I'll do my own thing. Right. Like really, it was probably scared. It, I don't know. It's crazy how everyone's doing it now. But back then it was just, it was so much different. Like, no, I don't know. It's like just progression. Even like yep. five years before that, when Carrie Hart did a half, a half-ass seat grab and like he won first place and now anybody can do that yeah you know what I mean? yeah yeah of it course just... so i don't know i just did my own thing and plus my name was getting really known like for just going for the big jumps i had like a string of like a lot of big jumps that nobody fucking hit and i remember like almost every month i was in full page ads and racerx double spread ads it was sick like i was really getting known for that so i started like I don't know. Still, I was like getting paid from sponsors really good. I was still busy. So I just didn't really, I don't know. I think once again, the partying was really what was setting me back because I was content with what I was doing. I never wanted to excel because I would rather just party and hang out with chicks, do that, you know? Yeah, I, so I, I know. That's I what it, that's the truth of why, like, what was a real deal. But I was content with, where i was at mm -hmm. and uh it's sad but i didn't want to progress yeah man it happens dude i mean I, you hear those stories lots and lots of times through history and different aspects once yeah it, once drugs and alcohol get a hold of you it's yeah you just kind of you're content and it's hard to get out of that that dark hole well, another thing progression and progression in our sport it's like you're gonna get fucked off and mm -hmm. like break all your bones you know what i mean like the consequences are so gnarly so it's like, I don't know. I've seen a lot of people get hurt. Like our buddy Chris Ackerman at the time got paralyzed right in front of us. I've had one of my best friends die in front of me on a dirt bike. So I don't know, dude. Like I just seen so much and that's all I think about. I just, well, I don't know. I was fine. Yeah. Doing I, stuff I'm comfortable with. But like I, I just see, I've seen so many dark shit in moto. Like so many people really. I have so many of my buddies that are paralyzed now and just like how lucky I am mm -hmm. just to be walking. Like how many dudes from my era aren't here right now? Yeah. You know, like from the very first, not many. I think it's only like me, Deegan, Twitch. I know a lot. I don't know. A lot of guys just kind of disappeared and a lot of people aren't here with us. So it's just lucky to be alive, I guess. Yeah, you absolutely are. Uh, before I, I, we're going to get into the, a little more of the addiction stuff in just a second, but I, I want to stick with the punk rock stuff. I talked to you on the show recently like that. That's new to me a little bit. Cause I missed that era a little bit. And, but like going out on tour, you talked about with your idols, like how, how did you first discover punk rock music? Was that just part of the scene writing like strung out Pennywise or this crusty one? Yeah. In like Moto Triple X, that's like where I got everything. I remember getting my first Pennywise Unknown Road cassette tape, and then it was just <laughs> all like Pennywise. It's funny now because Byron, all the guys from Pennywise are like my friends now. Like, and it's just rad. Like that's the shit I look back at more music wise when I look back. Like how so many of my friends are like some of my favorite musicians, dude. I, I, I love just love that. Yeah. music, dude. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that's how it kind of started. And it, it was just always punk rock. And then just being on Warp Tour for so long, it was just like was ingrained in me. And that's just some of my best childhood memories. And that's just, I don't know. I love it. So on that tour, during well, during that time period, you talked about the substance abuse. And it started, like, how did it, did it start with just drinking? Uh, did it start with injuries? And you, you've talked about this off air a little bit. You know, when you usually in the sport, when you get hurt, you, you know, they start prescribing you pills and hydrocodone yeah. or whatever else. How I think it started from injuries. I got a lot of injuries. I got, you know, at early days, I broke my ankle a couple times, surgery, got my spleen taken out. And then just like from the earliest days of freestyle, I just remember partying at the mm. end. And it was always keeping it alive for my family because I was like always on the road. So they really never knew like, this is how big I was really going. I was always like really good at lying about that. Um, but I don't know. It started with like drinking with all the guys smoking weed. That's kind of all it was. Then on the first warp tour being 18, mm -hmm. having your own tour bus and like riding in front of 30,000 people every day going on stage 
with some of the sickest bands ever, like inviting any chick to your bus. It was the cool shit ever. Um, and I don't know. That's like where I started experimenting with pills and, you know, but all the shit came to me. I didn't, I wasn't going to look for it. You know, it's like maybe one night a chick had an ecstasy film. Like I never, I never done that, but I don't know. Started with that. And then it was hard coming home, hanging out with all my friends from high school. They're like hanging out at their parents' house. And like, it was hard for me to turn that switch off and kind of live like normal. So like I was still kind of partying back at home and like figured out what like Xanax were, Coke, all this shit. Um, and then that's when I kind of, I started really down. It was never a problem. It was just, I kind of elevated it, you know, I wanted to experiment. I want to see what that was like. Uh, but it was nothing like where I, I was doing Coke every day for like a month. You know, I had it all pretty much under control. I was kind of professional in the early days. But, uh, yeah, it just got worse when, uh, the pain pill thing, like fast forward, like 10 years, I don't know when, the oxys really got big in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. it was a huge epidemic everywhere, like nationwide. But, um, I got into those doctors were prescribing pills to everybody back then. And my buddy, uh, found one doctor, you know, you wouldn't be believed back then all the motocross dudes, like it was a big deal in the pits like just the pill game was it was it was sad um for me a lot of my friends were going to this doctor this guy was prescribing 125 norcos 90s antibars and 80 somas to us every two weeks he said like he would like sell you on like yeah you you know you're hurt you need to be taking these every two weeks and it was crazy and then like once your name is on the bottle you like mentally think well you got it from a doctor even though you know the deal it's just that's when it got really bad for me and um yeah one day we went to go refill him with the doctor my best friend died in the back seat he od'd um a month later that doctor shot himself in the head at the office because like the dea was coming after him like so many kids died from that doctor like wow so many big deal and then uh, a little bit after that uh all the guys staged an intervention for me we were doing this mtv metal militia reality show making a teaser for it and deegan called me and said hey we need you at my house tonight we're gonna film for the show and we've already been filming so it wasn't a big deal to me i'm like i'll be over i went over there and like every single top dude in freestyle in the metal militia like all my buddies they were all there in a huge circle and even like Fletcher and Byron from Pennywise, they drove like two hours to come here. I don't even know what it was. I got there, then it got quiet. And then they were like, all, all eyes were on me. It was crazy. It was the craziest night ever. What was your reaction to that? Cause a lot of people have a very negative reaction to an intervention. I was just tripping. I was so kind of numb. I didn't even know what to think. I just was so not ready. I didn't even know what sobriety was. Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea what sobriety was. Um, and I told everybody, no, I got this, like, I'm not going, I could do this on my own. And I went to an outpatient rehab, which I was still using because there's no way I could ever see myself stopping all the way doing fake P test and telling everybody I was good. You know, it was sad and it just got really bad after that. And, um, why I do what I do now and like try and make sobriety cool is because I remember in those early days, I didn't have anybody to look up to. I didn't know. I didn't know what sobriety was. I didn't know you could even do this. You know, I don't know. I'm sure there's people out there, but before social media and all that shit, then I, I was really into Motley Crue and I figured I found out about Nikki six, read his book, heroin diaries. And like, you know, started like that guy was a hero to me at that. He was bigger than ever in yeah. the early days of my sobriety. Like, just he was the first guy who figured out what sobriety was. It's funny, really quick, but like fast forward ten years after I was sober for like six years, I worked for this recovery magazine, and I got to interview Nikki Six, and I got to tell him that story. Like that's you know, badass. It, it, it's so fucking rad, like how things turn when you change your life around. And like I got to tell him that, and he was so pumped. But um, yeah, dude, it got really fucking bad. I uh, got into like dust off because i couldn't get opiates anymore i started losing everything to my name started trading everything for pills and then one day i passed out of my truck ran into uh it's like kind of ups semi truck in the middle of an intersection 
went to jail. I almost killed 50 people, you know, like somehow I pray every night, I believe in God, but I was like, it had to happen. I don't know how I didn't hurt anybody. It was, I feel like I should have went to jail for five years, just putting people in danger like that. And, um, my parents never knew how bad it was because I was living in Temecula, like two hours away from them and being like an addict, I was always lying to them how good I was doing. And, yeah. you know, and then it wasn't even like they were bummed. They were happy and kill anybody, of course, but like they were just, they didn't know how bad I was hurting. And like at the last six months, I wish I would have fucking shot myself, dude. I didn't want to live. It was so dark. Like, I don't know. I just forgot who I was. Didn't, it was just all about the drugs. I, I couldn't stop. It was, it was crazy how drug addiction sped up so fast. And like, it wasn't even about dirt bikes anymore. Um, and yeah, I went to rehab. My dad and my sister found me a rehab on my mom and I went for 30 days. And, um, like the first week in there, I was tripping. I couldn't believe I was in rehab. What you like hear about and shows I just never been. It was the scariest thing of my life. And like three days in there, when I realized I was off all the drugs, it was, I don't know. It was crazy. It was like, everything was so new to me and I was there for 30 days and things were, I don't know. Things were amazing. It's like, I just kind of was reborn in there pretty much. Um, I don't even know where to start after that, but yeah, well I have some people like that in my family that I know that have dealt with addiction and I don't know if I talked about this or not, but like I, I would never had that right. I've never had an addictive personality. So I'm one of those people before I started learning about it, that was like, addiction doesn't make sense to me. Like people think it's easy to just say, no, I'm done. Like, just don't take that pill again. Don't pick up that bottle again, but it's really not. It is a, it really is a disease in your brain that sometimes you can not help it. And it takes sometimes multiple times in a rehab a treatment facility. It maybe it, it takes you hitting rock bottom. Like you talked about almost killing people. It's just not as easy as some people think it is. I have friends like that. They're like, I mean, if you really talk about it, it makes sense. Like you yeah. could just stop and not take something, you know, like really, but I don't know for me. And I know like most addicts with everybody that's the same story. It's just, it's not like that because I, I have a lot more trauma in my head. And mm-hmm. the last time I went to rehab, I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm still going to fucking therapy every week. You know, like it's good. It's not even drugs aren't really the issue. It's like, why do you even take the drugs? You know, because this last relapse, I, I didn't even have fun. It's like, why do I even do it? I know the consequences and it's just, it's fucking crazy. But, um, I don't know. I stayed sober for six years. I like turned my whole life around. Uh, dude, like everybody, I started getting a name in the sport again for like being, you know, this guy that like came out of the dark sober guy started like getting sponsors back. Cause I started to ride again, started to like, just do my thing. Um, I worked for this magazine recovery today magazine, got to interview like Nikki six, a lot yeah. of famous people in like recovery. So that was really good for me. It was like, I was the dude interviewing everybody that guy writing articles and started a podcast talking to sobriety, just really doing anything I could to like, spread the word of like you can do this you can get your life back and i like started to have such a name in that like for so many people reaching out to me helping people and then a lot of dark shit happened in my personal life with like my relationship i don't even want to talk about it but some really crazy shit and it like led me to relapse and like i wanted to drive my car through somebody you know like i was just i didn't know what to do i mm-hmm. was seeing red never got to that point in my life and uh, i relapsed started smoking heroin again never touch a needle but that's Oof. what i started doing before i went to rehab and like grown up in the, the my family and like the neighborhood like saying the word heroin that it's like such a big word yeah it's a big you one. you know like i never thought i would get there but really it's not anything different than pain pills is totally different. Like using needles and shooting up is completely a different ball game than smoking it. Not like any of it's better or worse. I only smoked it and never touched a needle, but I don't know. It's not as scary when you're doing it, but it's sure. Like sure. Yeah. Those, when you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. When you're in it, one of those things is like, it just, you have to have it. It's not even like without it, you can't walk you can't move your bones like hurt so bad. It's like you have so much anxiety. It's 
you want to like jump out of your skin yep. times 10. It's like the worst flu times 10. And then when you smoke a little bit, all the pain goes away and you feel normal. And like, I always tell people, I forget how to say it, but like the best day being high is like a normal day being sober, you know, cause you're just trying to get high enough to feel normal. Yeah, and that's yeah. when it becomes a fucking job of like, I just have to do this to stay well. And that's when it's like, that's when you start losing everything. Yeah. My, my fiance, uh, she went to like, she went and got her license or whatever to be a, a drug and alcohol Reha- like counselor to, to get involved with that because she has a passion for it. And we were watching the show. It came, I don't know when it came out. It's called dope sick with Michael Keaton. And it's the history. It's so fucking good, dude. Yeah. I, about, um, Oxy. uh, I know but what's, the what's the company? Oh Jesus. I'm blanking now. Uh, hang on. I'll pull it up real quick while we're talking. But yeah, what you're just talking oh about God, is man. that drug makes when you don't have it, it makes you think like it makes your body basically, hurts you it puts you in pain to to make you feel like you have to have it like it's that's what it does and it's just insane like the way people have to deal with that um it's just Purdue, like Purdue that pharma. Purdue, Purdue pharma, pharma yeah, yeah and it's crazy that's all a true fucking story and yeah like, during that time is when i when like that doctor was prescribing mm-hmm. them in that same time as that movie came out it was like it was a big thing in the u.s like push that get stuff like that they were pushing them everywhere. Yep. It was such a big thing. Um, yeah, during that same time. And then when they took those away, like the movie, when they caught on to them and like all those pills went away, that's when everybody started smoking black tar heroin. Everybody, you know? Yeah. And it, it all a, started from... It was all that you could find to make, get that same... That it was the same thing, but that's yeah. when everybody started doing that. And then, scary, yeah, there's dude. no... Yeah, it's so scary. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I still have so many dark times, like just going places. Like, I don't know. But well, um, it, it seems like you have a, a good crew around you. Like, I met a bunch of your buddies at at uh, Glendale this weekend, and ha- that's something you got to have if you're dealing, if you're in recovery, and you've had that lifestyle. Like, you have to have a support system. Yeah, and you see things different. That's yeah. like the best part about sobriety. Like, even if you're not a drug addict or alcoholic, there's not a whole lot of times in life you hit pause to focus on your personal issues or your insecurities all insecurities or anything like that and what i'm saying is like i look at like drug addicts and recover some of the raddest people because like you really recovery is so much more than just stopping doing drugs it's like how to be a better person how to work on your on all your insecurities like i just said just yeah. like really figuring out who you are i'm still trying to do that you know there's well, you a lot of will. shit i'm yeah, exactly. Um, but you th- see things different, you know, mm-hmm. like those people when you're getting drunk and using like those aren't your fucking friends, even like going out to bars and like I still go to after parties. But like for me, I just laugh, like looking at looking at how I used to be and like how it's all fake. Everyone. Oh, I love you, bro. Yeah. This, I, like, it's yeah, all yeah. Fucking, at the end of the day, it's fake. And it's just um I don't know. Now I the, just don't miss it. And like, you just look at things different now. Like all my friends are sober. All my friends are like doing things. And, um, yeah, I don't know. You just don't hang out with the same crew after you kind of get clean. You realize not, who your yeah. real friends are and who's there for the right reasons. Yeah. So the real friends, yeah, I don't were, know. the real friends were the ones that tried to get you into treatment that did the intervention and the ones that are still there now, um, yeah, I got, I got buddies cause here where I live, you know, I have buddies that grew up in bands and I was always hanging around bands. So there was, there was always alcohol and Coke and all that. And be, again, I didn't have that personality. And like, I grew up again with my dad being in the military and like, Hey, you know, if you get in trouble at school or if you get in trouble, you don't get to ride your dirt bike this weekend. So I was always like, I don't drink, I don't do any of that stuff. So when my buddies started doing that after concerts, I'd be like, I'm out, I'll see you guys tomorrow. And now they're sober and they're like, I don't, they always tell me like, I don't know how you put up with this because they're sober now and they see the people that are out partying and they're like, God, we're so fucking annoying. I'm like, well, that's why I bailed. I just went home, man, because yeah, you guys drove me insane and I didn't want to be around that shit. So, but, 100%. but for you, you, you kind of touched on this a minute ago and like an addict is always an addict. You just, you talked about still having things to work out. Like there's never going to be a day you're not an addict. But you hope yeah. every you you work day by day, and this is just shit I've been learning. So hopefully I'm not talking out of my ass. But 
day you go every day and hope for the best and, and try to do your your steps or whatever it is that works for you and just that's all you can do is keep living life but what i saw at supercross the few minutes i was around you what i've seen on some of your videos is like you are fucking living life dude you're still having what looks like a blast you are having a good time but you're doing it sober and you know that's that's good man. Know, i'm having yeah i'm having way more fun like, yeah just even using all my resources like hell yeah all the people i've known throughout the years to just try and gather some money from all my sponsors put this team on yep. you know just doing all this stuff where i would never think of when i was drunk or using you know and sure. like i have so much fun and like everything i do it's amazing waking up to you know, like a million bucks like just really seeing through all the bullshit you're just your life is more consistent your relationships are better like i just i truly love being sober but i still have those times all those dark things in my head that i could see would make me want to go back there so that's scary you know but i'm yeah been doing good and uh life is doing really good man that's awesome well let's talk about some other things other than uh the, the darkness stuff um, you got involved a number of years ago with Skivvy, Skivvy Underwear. Is your, your, I think you're part owner, I believe, in that. Uh, how did that yeah. come about, and, and was that something that has been beneficial to you as far as, well, even sobriety or just in life? Like what's- um, Just after I got out of rehab in 2012, I hooked up with my good friend D-Loke from the Cottonmouth Kings. We yep. wanted to do a company together. My other buddy, Jeff Metcalf, he was uh, a big business dude, and... I said I was sponsored by Ethica, and at the time, there's only like Ethica out there. I said, let's do an underwear company. We came up with a name, and we ran with that. It's been getting big. Um, did the Supercross team with it. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's been it's been doing good. It's definitely not my number one hustle, but it's like one of many. But right, yeah, it's right. been cool. That's you know? good. You gotta have you gotta have a lot of irons in the fire again to stay sober, man. You gotta have, if you're just if you got nothing. It, it's hard to stay sober, man. But if you got you know skivvy and uh, scumbag clothing and the skivvy supercross team and you're fucking riding, you, you, you're keeping yourself busy. Yeah, that's not even my number one deal. Like all those, uh, my dad, um, he got stage four cancer like five years ago, six years ago maybe, and um, really scary. I had to like help him through everything. Seeing your dad go through that, being like your best friend, strongest dude, mm-hmm. to like go through all the chemo and everything wanting to die like because it was so it was so bad it was just heavy but he had a fire extinguisher business service and fire extinguishers for like 30 years has like some of the biggest accounts ever huge business and um you know by law you need your fire extinguisher serviced every year and that's like what he does goes around and i had to like take over that when he was in the hospital i went to all did all my classes got certified and i like how to figure out how to run it <laughs> and i took that over then when he got better he just gave me the business and that's what i do every day and that's the number one my number one thing i love it more than anything good for you man and that's like yeah that's number one everything else I, it's just more for fun and just do uh you know stay busy active but that's like the number one thing yeah well let's talk about the team man uh team skivvy supercross team with alex nagy that i mean Again, you talked about this on the show. Like you're not going out there expecting to win, but you're going out there helping your buddies, helping some kids that need help, and trying to bring the Moto Triple X style of team back with fun in the pits. Yeah, I've been doing it for like five years. I help out like every other year. We help out like four different guys. This year, I had chance, but he went to another team. This year, like I did the team. I wasn't going to do it with COVID and everything. And like three weeks before A1, I'm like, let's just try and gather. I'm going to try and get some money together. And like, I pulled it, but it was just, just got naggy. Um, yeah, just my partner in Skivvy has that trailer we use. He lets me have it. I get all the sponsors together. And with that money, we paid for Alex's, uh, entry fees, hotels, food, like anything he needs for his bike. And then just have a cool setup for him. It's just more like a glorified hangout zone. Right. Yeah. And like just a, a good time, you know, next year, like, I feel like the foundation's really there. And uh, I've been talking to Simi Yamaha. They're going to give me a couple bikes, and I'm going to do like a, a two-stroke team probably, trying to get some fast guys that can do something with it and uh, just go have fun. That's fun, dude. That's awesome, dude. I, I like that. And, yeah, we talked to a bunch of people in the pits that were headed, that were coming through and, and meeting you guys. It's you way radder, biz, dude. Even if you come in like 18th, you're not going to get any eyes on you. Or like, <laughs> right, right. If you don't make it, the dudes that don't make the night show, they're 
they're so fucking gnarly anyways. Yep. You take them to any local track and they're the gnarliest dudes ever. So why not fucking have some fun for them? Like in the pits ever, like all the other privateers are usually at our rig anyways, but you know, it's yeah. all a good time. Absolutely. Good time. Uh, so I, one more thing I want to talk about. You, I saw that you had done, you'd been involved in a movie, man. Uh, no rules. I think it was called or no rules, bro. Like, did you do stunt riding in that? Uh, no, just a movie, bro. No, I had like an acting role in it with oh, okay. Danny Trejo and uh, Bo Manley. I don't know. It was, some people like it. Some people don't like it. It was cool, whatever. But was yeah, was it? it yeah. It's just a cool experience to be in a movie, man. Oh yeah, no, it was fun. I got to do. I've been. I did a lot of stuff like that. A lot of commercials. So yeah. much stuff like that. Yeah, a lot. It's yeah, it was rad, badass. A lot of cool experience. What What is one or two memories that really individual memories that stand out? through your history, your career that just like, you know, you, you would never, like, dude, I don't know. They always oh, come to mind shit. as a highlight. I don't know. Like doing the train jump and seeing oh, you was cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh fuck. There's so many. I don't know. <laughs> doing like the okay. Mountain Dew commercial at Universal Studios with Terry Hart. That was cool. But I don't know. There's so many. Dude, was that the one that came out in like nine mid nineties? Something like yeah. early two thousand. Okay. Um, yeah, it had like all the top uh, like BMX or skaters. Yeah, and Terry Hart in it. I don't know. It was a big Mountain Dew commercial. They would play it like before movies. Yep. at movie theaters and stuff. But yeah, in that it was cool. That's badass. Yeah, I didn't know you were in that. Yeah, That's cool. Very, yeah, very lucky to do a lot of cool stuff, man. Awesome. Well, Colin, is there anything else you want to touch on? What's next? What's coming besides the team? Have you got anything in the fire, or just anything you want to talk about I... before we go? Just some stuff in my personal life, but on the outside, just stay sober, have fun, and just live a good, active life. But yeah, man, everything's good, and uh, just gonna keep doing what I'm doing and um, just enjoying life, man. That's awesome, man. And I want to tell anybody who's listening to this if you guys like, he mentioned the Nikki Six book, Heroin Diaries. Uh, it, it really does give you a good image of what it's like going through that. Some of Nikki's stories and there's a few other and books. People like, can reach out to me too yeah. on my Instagram. Um, yeah. Colin underscore scummy underscore Morrison, but I have so many rehabs I deal with. So at least point somebody in the right direction if they want to, you know, try and get their life back and get over the addiction. Definitely reach out to me. Dude, that's awesome. I appreciate you coming on and talking about your story. It's not easy. Uh, but I love what you're doing, and I, I, I'm so glad that I finally got a chance to meet you and get to know you a little bit, man, because it's been you're, no. you're a great dude. Yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, feel the same, man, and uh, yeah, can't wait to see you next time, and thank you, buddy. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Thank you so much. Right on, dog. Sorry. Thank right, you. See ya.